If you were here in the beginning of this study, we've been talking on the subject of uh, the goodness of God. The title of the series is God is Good. And we saw that Moses pled with the Lord and said, Lord, show me your glory. Right? And what did the Lord tell him? Anybody remember? What did he tell him he would show him? What did he ask him to see? And what did he say he's going to show him? What did he ask him to see? What did he say he's going to show him? You think maybe the Lord didn't hear him? No. There was some mix up on communication? No. Uh Uh-uh. Then what does that tell you? He said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And when that happened, did he see the glory of God? So what is the glory of God? It's his goodness. But see, we, I know in the circles I've come up in, Word of Faith and Charismatic circles, we have not kept those two connected. We hear glory and we think fog, fire. Falling out under the power, but not generally. Goodness, we need to correct that. I see we need to correct that. And we don't need to just think about experience. We don't need to think about seeing things and just feeling things. We need to think about goodness. Retrain yourself. Every time you hear any preacher, you're reading in the scripture, you're listening to any tape, watching anything on preaching and teaching TV and radio. Every time you hear somebody say glory, what do you think? Goodness. Goodness. We're going to see the glory. It'll help correct some error. Some folk have gotten off in their... Talking about glory, 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 glory. And they're only thinking about me having an experience in the light. Revelation of his glory is going to be revelation of his goodness. And when you see the glory of the Lord, you will have seen a manifestation of his goodness. Goodness on who? People. People, you will see God do good things in people's lives, and that's when you'll go, glory to God. Oh, did you see that? Glory to God. God did something good, and it brought him glory. That's why sickness and disease does not bring God glory. Poverty and lack does not bring God glory any more than sin gives glory to God. Works of the devil glorify the devil. Evil works glorify the evil one. But good works glorify the good one. The works of God glorify God and his works are good. He is good and he does good, the scripture said. Go to Psalm 34 again tonight, please. You ready to believe God? Let's go further in this. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 1. 
What does it say? At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. What about the proud? No, they won't like it. They won't like hearing about it. Why? And proud people tend to think you are like them. So they'll twist it around that you're bragging about yourself like they would be doing. Keep reading. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Wonder if the Lord still saves poor folks out of their money troubles and poor troubles, tax troubles, late bill troubles, house payment troubles, car payment troubles. Wonder if he still does. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's why this is given to us, to know it, to believe it. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Glory to God. The Lord did that for us this weekend. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Well... Me and Mike's going to come home after the service the other night, and we were out in kind of a remote place, and we blasted off into the pitch dark, and all at once, all our gauges are going funny. But we had, the main thing we needed was solid, and we made it without a hitch, without a problem. Well, come to find out, there's four little holes on that plane that receive air information, And three of them were completely stopped up by some little bug that got in there. Just a weird thing. I'd never heard of that. And, well, it must have been. Why not all four of them? It must have been the angel kept his finger over one of the holes or something. I don't know. But it took care of us. And the Lord does this for us all the time. He's done it for you. How many of us would be dead and gone from accidents or what? If the Lord hadn't have protected us. And he's going to keep us all the way till we run our whole race and finish our whole course with joy. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. Angel of the Lord encamps round about them. That fear him. Do you fear him? Do you reverence him? And believe in him? And honor him? Respect him? And he does what? Delivers them. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Verse 8, what? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, you have to say, oh, when you start to say that. 
Oh. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. Somebody made me some a birthday cake this week. I mean this thing. It's a full gospel cake. <laughs> and I looked at it and I said, Oh, that's a cake. Glory to God. Read verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is what? No want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, and hearken to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Let me see by a show of hands. Who would like to live long and have a lot of good days and have it go good for you in your life on the earth? Hmm? He's asked the question. We said, we do. All right, then he's going to tell you how to do it. Verse 13, first thing he says, what? Watch that mouth. Now, I know we laugh, but this is one of the biggest factors in whether you're going to have a good life or a bad life. Whether you're going to live long or die young. I know most Christians don't believe it, but there it is in the Bible. Hmm? I know uh, Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, told this one time. He said there was a, a man that he knew that had helped them in the ministry. And uh, this man, he was just in his late 30s and all at once something happened to him and he's dying and they got him in the hospital and he had several minister friends and was in the ministry and they gathered around and they prayed and they prayed and he died and uh, one of the guys that was closest to him had asked brother Hagin said you know I don't seem like I can get any utterance to pray for this man what's going on and he said well don't tell anybody But this is what the Lord told me about him. He said spiritual laws were set in motion long ago. And they cannot be changed at this time. Did you hear that phrase? What was the phrase? Spiritual laws were set in motion long ago. And they cannot be changed at this time. Well the man can't change him himself. He's in a coma. Unless the Lord would allow you to do something for him, then it can't be changed. And so only they two had talked about that. And the man died. Of course, he's too young. You know, not 40 years old. And uh, one of the guys was talking with his mother and his sister at the funeral. And he told Brother Hagin, he said, you know, I think you ought to tell them. They were spiritual people and they knew God, loved God, knew about faith and the word. He said, Brother Hagin, I think you ought to tell them what you told me. And so he did. And they said, uh, well, the mother said, well, I know exactly what the Lord's talking about. And the sister said, I do too. And the younger brother, he said, I know it. He said, when me and my brother, kids playing in the barn. Goofing off. He said, more than once, my brother would look at me and get serious all at once and say, you know, I'll never live past 40 years of age. He said, why would you say that? He said, I I just know it. And they said, yeah, he said that all his life. 
Well, here he's 39 and a half. I said, oh, that's just a coincidence. Well, you might like to believe that, but it's a spiritual law. And he had set that in motion from a child. The devil tried to do that with me. Y'all might have heard me talk about it if you've been around. My great-grandfather was shot and killed when he was 21. So was my grandfather, shot and killed when he was 21. And on my mother's side, I was the next man. And my grandmother used to tell me that as a boy, they'd pull out pictures. uh, And they'd say, you know, you look just like him. Talking about me. And as a little boy, there was this, you know, well, why did great-grandpa get shot and killed at 21? And then grandpa, same age, same way, shot and killed when he's 21. Isn't that mysterious? Hey, have you seen people talk about stuff like, oh, that's strange. No, there's something a lot worse than strange going on. Fear is going on. Seeds of fear are being sown. And I know they didn't know it, but seeds were being sown in my little life just as a little boy. I'm sitting there, and they're showing me pictures of this man in the casket. And I look just like him. And I'm the next man in line. And wonder why that happened like that. Well, see, the enemy began to bring thoughts to me. You'll not live past 21 either. Something's going to happen to you. But thank God... When I was about 16, I began to hear some things about the word and faith. Glory to God. And you know, the devil had it set up for me. I was, uh, I had to go somewhere to meet a guy with a tractor trailer. We were doing some things with tractor trailers, over the road trucks. And uh, I was to meet this guy and do some things. And I went and found him. And I came, I found his truck, and I figured he's in the sleep or something. I came, I knocked on the door, no answer. I knocked on the door, no answer. I knocked on the door, knocked on the door. I know he's supposed to be there, no answer. I finally just turned around and left. Found out later, he's drugged out of his head. And he thinks I'm trying to kill him. And has a loaded, hammer-cocked 357 Magnum pointed at me through the door. Well, I was 21. But prior to that, <laughs> I found out I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And with long life, he'd satisfy me and show me his salvation. So can you see from my great-grandfather, there had been spiritual things set in motion. And the enemy tried to continue it through me. Oh, but glory to God, other spiritual laws that superseded that begin to be set in motion. And here I am, older than 21, still alive and kicking, no bullet holes. (laughs) Praise be to God. But now let's just stop right here. Now, if I had got shot. At 21, what would the family have said? Oh, that's, that's strange. What is that? And a lot of the religious family would have just said, God's ways are mysterious. His wonders to perform. And you just never know. <laughs> but none of it was the will of God. Oh, do you see the difference? None of it was the will of God. So what did he say? You want to live a long time? 
You want to have a lot of good days? Just good day after good day after good day into your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and past the century mark. Huh? Good health. Good days. Good life. What's the first thing he said? Watch your mouth. You can't talk about dying young. You can't talk about all that stuff year after year. I don't care what you think you're playing. It's nothing to play about. You talk about living, you open your mouth and you say, I will not die. But I will live and declare the work and glory of God. And with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. What if you said that every time you thought about dying young? Then you've got other spiritual laws set in motion that no matter how much the devil tries to take you out young, he cannot because it cannot be changed at this time. (laughs) Spiritual laws have been set in motion that the devil cannot change at this time. So you missed the car wreck. And you missed the crime. And you missed the disease. And you recovered for the illness that he intended you to die from. Why? Because spiritual laws were set in motion long ago. (laughs) And they cannot be changed. (laughs) At this time. Which means you live. And it goes well with you. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you believe this? Instead of the other stuff. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Y'all are just confused. I don't feel confused. <laughs> Y'all are just excited. Yeah, that's right. We're excited. <laughs> We're happy about it. Number one, verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. That covers a lot of ground. And your lips from speaking guile. What is guile? Huh? Deception. Deception. Oh, man. There are few things you could do worse in life than to tell a lie. Could you cut your life short by telling lies? Could you cause your life to be bad instead of good? By telling lies. According to this, yeah. Two things. Don't talk bad stuff and don't talk lies. Deception. Then, verse 14, depart from evil. And here's the next thing. And what? Do good. Say it out loud. Do good. Do good. Now, last week we talked about this. And then feel like we got through. We need to continue on into this today. How many believe that we are to do good? Now let's back up from this. You'll see, and boy, the further we go with this, I can see the wisdom of God, how he's putting all this together for us. His dealing with us to emphasize seed and sowing is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's this is your life. He said, how did he start off doing this? He said, you know, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you reverence the Lord, you won't want any good thing. And who of you would like to see good days and have a good life? Now, I'm just paraphrasing. Then among other things, what does he say? Do good. Now, let's just back up. Are you wanting to reap good? 
than what? So good. Can you see this? He started out by saying, who among you wants to see good days? Wants to have a good life? Go with me over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 1 Peter 3 and 10. This is a New Testament quoting of what you and I just read and applying it to us under the new covenant. Verse 10. He that will love life. Let's just stop right here. Does that mean you'd be enjoying your life? Oh, yeah. Love life. And what? That's not a good day when you got five tubes in you and you're delirious in the hospital bed for the 40th day. That's not a good day. It's not a good day when you didn't get any sleep last night because it looks like you're about to lose everything you got. Huh? That's not a good day. It's not a good day. Something bad happening to your kids. Do you want to love life? Enjoy life and see what? What kind of days? Good days. Well, God's a good God. So what's his will? Good days. Good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak. No guile, no deception. And let him eschew evil and what? And do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are upon are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord's against them that what? Do evil. Would you going to be blessed the same whether you do bad or whether you do good? No, you're not. Now this is something we need to clarify. You cannot do enough good works to be saved. And because of that, people have just kind of thrown off good works and thought, well, you know, they don't save you anyway. Well, they do make a difference what kind of life you have. And they do determine how much reward you get. Are you listening? No, they don't save you. But since there's been so much emphasis that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, a lot of people have just completely ignored works. Well, then, you know, works are not important. Oh, yes, they are. They're very important. Your salvation's not based on it. But it does affect what kind of life you have here. And it does affect your reward later. The Bible talks about individuals that will be saved. Yet so is by fire. And the implication is that they're saved, but that's it. No reward. You understand? And there are some people that will be saved. And a lot of folks say, well, that's all I care about. If I can get in, that's good. Well, you say that now. Nope. We care about it. God cares about it. Let him do good. In verse 13, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of what? That which is good. Good. Said out loud, do good. Do good. Well, doing good is sowing good, isn't it? 
And then what happens after you sow good, sow good, you're sowing it, you're sowing good things, you're sowing good things, happening for other people, doing for other people, doing good, doing good. Are you planting seed? What's going to happen? It's going to come back on you. Read it again in Ephesians. We read this last week. Let's read it again. Ephesians 6 chapter, verse 7, 6, 7 Ephesians. He said, with good will, doing what? Service. Have you heard that word before? Yeah. Service. Yeah. Do you understand why the Lord directed us to have service teams? Yeah. Is it important? Yeah. Doing service, how? As to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. When you do good things for other people, is that the end of it? Mm -mm. Will it affect you? How? The same kind of good thing is going to come back on you. The Lord said so. Didn't he? If you're there for somebody in their hour of need when they're down and you encourage them and you help them get through that thing, what's going to happen? Anytime you ever need help, it's going to be there for you. Glory to God. You know, uh, we're a relatively young church. And somebody asked me the other day, they said, well, how many, you know, staff do y'all have? And how many, you know, volunteers and staff? And I told them. And they thought, well, I thought you'd have had a bigger staff than that. I said, well, we got X amount of volunteers. They thought, whoa, how many? (laughs) We got some help around here. You know what? Phyllis and I sowed help. For decades. And glad to do it. Honored to do it. But we've never lacked for help. We've never wanted for help. And I can just see multiplication of help. Multiplication. Just us, two little people, sowed some help. But now thousands of help. Is that the principle? Sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. Would you like to always have plenty of help in anything and everything that you need to do and want to do? What should you think? I got to sow help. The Lord dealt with me when we first started this ministry. He said, in order to do this ministry, you're going to have to have partners. And a lot of them. You know what the first thing he told me to do? Not sit down and write a letter and say, would you be my partner, please, please, please. He said, you Be a good partner. You sow partnership. You increase your partnership. And you be faithful. I don't care if it's five or ten dollars. You have it there every month. And you have it on time. And you do it in faith. You be a good partner. So there's a lot of ministers. They want their people to pray. But they don't pray. They want their people to give. But they don't give. They want their people to work. But they won't do anything. Doesn't work that way. Said it doesn't work that way. Do it. Sow it. And it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down. 
shaken together, running over, will men give into your bosom. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. So many good scriptures and so little time. Go to Luke, please. Nah, where are you? Ephesians? Go to Ecclesiastes 3 and then we'll work our way over to Luke. There's something that a lot of people have not even acknowledged. But the Bible uses the same word for riches as it does for the manifestation of God's presence at times. Glory. You'll read phrases in the Old Testament, for instance, where it'll say, My master has gotten all this glory. And he's talking about stuff. Riches. Now today, a lot of people, they wouldn't call it glory. They don't even like that. And you can hear when I said that, can you? Look at all this glory. And you're talking about houses and cars and money and lands. And buildings, you say, look at all this glory. People go, that ain't glory. Well, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You know what you think, but do you know what the Word says? Well, now, let's, when the, Moses said, show me your glory, and the Lord said, what? I'm going to make all my goodness to pass in front of you. Any manifestation of good is a manifestation of glory. And tell me what it is that leads men and women to repentance. Hmm? What is it? Hellfire and brimstone preaching, of course. Huh? Huh? Condemnation. Making people feel bad about their sin. No. No. What leads people to repentance? The goodness of God. Leads men and women to repentance. Ecclesiastes 3. Are you there? Ecclesiastes 3. And verse 12. He's talking about the natural side of things. I know there's no good in them. But this. But for a man. This is Ecclesiastes 3.12. A man to what? Rejoice. Rejoice, And what? To do good. In his life. Listen to another translation of this. Ecclesiastes 3 Amplified says. I know that there is nothing better. For them than to be glad. And to get and do good. As long as they live. Oh did you hear this? There's nothing better. Are we reading scriptures here? There's nothing better than what? He said rejoice in doing this. And here the Amplified says to get and do good. That's two different things. But of course, how are you going to do good? You don't have any good. Well, the Bible calls material things goods. Like we said, they don't call them bads. Goods. We know that in the business world. Dry goods, this goods, that goods, goods. It ain't dry bads. 
goods. Goods. Goods means good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, before you can do good stuff for other people, you got to have some good stuff to do good stuff with. Get goods and do good as long as they live. The NIV says, I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. There's nothing better than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. It's not just about making money. It's not just about achieving success where people look up to you or somebody knows you. It's about what? Doing good. We're talking about for somebody else. Are y'all with me on this? Did you read this verse tonight? There's nothing better for man or woman to do with their life than to rejoice and get some good. And do some good with it. Get some good and do good with it. Because that's God. He's good. And he doeth good. Go to 1 Corinthians 16th chapter. It's not just about you setting records. It's not just about somebody knowing your name. It's not just about how much money you can make. What is it about? Let's do some good while we're coming through here. That somebody's life is better because we were here. Huh? I intend before this thing is over that Branson is glad that Faith Life Church is here. How about you? And that beyond Branson. But people ought to be glad that you live in their neighborhood. Well, they ought to be because... I'm me. <laughs> now, what have you done? What have you done? Besides primp. And worry about what you don't have or take care of yourself or me and my family. No, what have you done for others? Don't let there be any condemnation in that. Just answer it honestly and see what you need to do. We don't have much longer. You don't know if the Lord's coming back, you know, that quick or not. It's got to be quick. For him, a thousand years is like a day. So what would a hundred years be to him? But do you have a hundred years? Most folk in here, most people in here, if you knew exactly how long you got left, there's all kind of people that just bump along day after day and they act like they're going to live down here forever and don't realize at the time they're talking about it, they had two and a half years before they'd be gone from this world. If you knew how much longer you would actually be, I, we're not talking about optimal, we're not talking about anything. If you knew the actual figure, would it affect how you live? I think most everybody would. Because people tend to just try to bump through every day and just act like the next thousand years is going to be like the last year. And it's not. So what is there better for us to do with our life than to rejoice and do good? Huh? There is nothing better. 
Can you see God is getting us ready to do some major good? Hmm? We're sowing a lot of word. Is that figure right you told me? Did y'all find out? What is it? When? This last seven days, 60,000 downloads of the word this week. These are series that sell for what? $30, hmm? Times 60,000? Or, you know, it wouldn't be that many, but even if you cut it in a third. You sowed that. We sowed that. If we hadn't had the money to buy the equipment, to get the cameras, if we hadn't had the money to get the building, to make the materials, you got to have some goods. Right? you got to have some goods and some good to do good with. But if God pour a billion on us, a billion dollars on us, would we know what to do with it? Would we do anything with it? We would do the same thing we're doing with what we got right now. Only on a much larger scale. (laughs) Glory to God. There's going to be other projects. There's going to be other things. But we're going to do good. Because it's God's will. And ain't nothing better for us to do with our days. Than to be used of God to do good for somebody. First Corinthians, are you there? 16. I like this phrase here. First Corinthians 16. He said in verse 14... 1614, 1 Corinthians, let all your things be done with love. Everything you do. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. <laughs> they did what? They addicted themselves. There's nobody else got them hooked. They addicted themselves to something. What was it? Ministry of the saints. Now listen to other translations. It brings it out. He said, you know the household of Stephanus. They were the first converts in Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. The New Living says... They are spending their lives in service to other Christians. Did you hear that? They are doing what? Does that mean they're doing good for brothers and sisters in the kingdom? Is there anything better for them to do with their days and their lives? It'll soon be over. What is there better? Somebody said, well, what about our witness to the world? Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. If what? If you love one another. He's talking about fellow believers. If you love one another like I have loved you. 
And if we treat each other like this, the unbelievers are going to want to get in. Aren't they? If they see that you become a part of that bunch, you got it made. You'll never be alone again. They take care of their own. One of them has a problem, the whole bunch of them rallies around and believes God and spends money like they don't care until it's done. (laughs) See, the absence of that is why there are gangs, why there's organized crime. Think of why? Because everybody's looking for a family. They want a family. They don't want to be alone. They want to belong to something that's bigger than them and somebody that cares about them. But all these things are lies. These people will call you brother today and tomorrow say, I'm sorry, but I got to whack you. Nothing personal. I love you like a brother. No, you don't. It's a lie. They don't have real family. Nobody has real family outside of God. Nobody does. Oh, but that's why Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the whole family up in heaven and on earth. It's just one great, big, happy family. And God intends that we all be doing good for each other. Just doing good, doing good, doing good, showing up at brother so-and-so's house with a new refrigerator. and Paying off sister so-and-so's car. And, right? And rallying around this one when they're in a time of need. and Just standing and believing God until the thing is done. Right? I'm doing good. Somebody say doing good. Doing good. Go to Luke 16. Thanks be unto the Lord. Bless you, Master. God is good. And He does good. We're created in His likeness and image. He's made us righteous. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be good. And do good. Like Him. Luke, are you there? 16. Now this is a, there's light here about this subject. This is the story of the man who was the unfaithful steward who wasted his master's goods. His master's what? Bads? No, no. His master's goods. And then he got called and caught. And he was further deceptive, trying to, you know, save his own hide. And in verse uh, 9, the Lord says this, the master, Luke 16, 9. Make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. I've heard all kind of ideas about what that means. But you've got to keep it all in context and with other scriptures. The NIV says, Jesus said, get this, get this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends. So that sounds strange to our ears, doesn't it? Are you talking about trying to buy people? No. 
but it's using wealth as a tool. Has Christianity majored on this at all? No, no. We're taught you're not supposed to have any wealth. Now we're getting into something powerful right here. How are you going to use something you're not supposed to have? Use worldly wealth to do this. And what if you say, well, Lord, I ain't got no worldly wealth. So I can't do that scripture. I'm exempt, right? (laughs) Y'all are too quiet. Use it. Use it. We've seen that again and again. Have we seen it, guys? In this community, I'm talking to my staffs and, I, and Phyllis. Have we seen in this community with other people, with other ministries, ministries, people that don't even claim to be Christian, something comes up and we step in and go, we'll take care of it. They're like, what? Are we going to pay for it? Yeah, we'll pay for it. The whole thing? Yeah. Be glad to. Just let us sow it to you. People are shocked. They're just like, well, I don't go to your church. We say, we know. And they keep waiting for you to ask them to come, and we don't. Well, maybe I will come visit you sometime. Well, whatever. Just do whatever you're led to do. Makes an impression. That people don't forget. There was a neighbor of mine one time. And they weren't living right at all. At all. Not going to church. Just, you know. Lord dealt with me one time. Go over there and hand him this amount of money. So I had a roll of cash. You know you need a peel-off roll. Anybody know you need a peel-off roll? Anybody here doesn't know what a peel-off roll is? Let me see. Everybody knows. That's a roll where you can peel off $100 bills or bigger and go, here, you know, bless you. Go buy something, you know. Buy your suit. Pay, pay this off. And the Lord dealt with me, you know, sow that to him. So I went and I did. He said, what's this for? I said, can you use it? He said, me and my family is going on vacation. Day after tomorrow. And we got the tickets and we got the room. But we had no cash at all. Some things had come up and I didn't have any cash. I said, well, that'll help. He said, will it help? He said, and he didn't know what to say. He's like, yeah. He looks at you like, what do you want? What's next? Waiting for the other shoe to drop. But when there is no other shoe... And there never is another shoe drops next week or next month or next year. And you don't come back asking for anything ever. What else could it be but the love of God? Why would you do it? Don't even know them. You're not part of their life. They're not part of yours. Use the wealth of this world to gain friends. To influence. No you're not trying to flatter. You're not trying to buy. There's nothing underhanded here. But use it like a tool. 
Now let me ask you again. How can you use what you do not have? Use what? Wealth. Keep reading. I think I got two and a half amens out of that whole thing there. Uh, Luke 16, we read 9, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Now, we have used this scripture talking about all kind of things, but the main context is wealth, material wealth, money, and stuff. I'm not saying it's limited to that, but that is the main application, main context. There's no question about it. It's obvious as you keep reading. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now that's the same, the phrase and words that the NIV translated worldly wealth. And that is what he's talking about. Material wealth. If you hadn't been faithful in that, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Are there things more valuable than money? But the religious world has told us that there are things more valuable than money, so forget about money. Money's not important. There are other things that are important. That's not what this verse said. This verse says if you don't handle that money stuff right, who's going to give you the more important stuff? This hadn't been taught enough. If you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust The true riches. He talked about using worldly wealth to do good. Isn't he talking about doing good for people? How can you use what you don't have? If it's not God's will for you to have any worldly wealth, how can you do good with it? Can you see why the devil has fought prosperity so hard? Because what leads men and women to repentance? The goodness of God. How are they supposed to see goodness? Through acts of love from us. And some of this acts of love takes money. It takes stuff, doesn't it? It does. And you can't bless people and do good for people with what you don't have. Which is why somebody says, well, you're just making me feel bad, Brother Keith, because I don't have a lot of money, which means I can't do it. Quit that. Come on. None of us started out with anything. I should say hardly any of us here. I didn't. But I learned one day I had a seed. I remember the first five dollars Phyllis and I ever sowed in faith. I can look back now and see that's where we started up. Glory be to We had ten dollars to our name in this world. She and I were married. We had ten dollars in the world. And we were in a meeting where we heard faith for one of the first times in our life. So we sowed five dollars in the offering and went out afterwards and spent the other five and bought a tape. And went home. 
And a lot of folk would have called us fools by letting them money preachers get our last $10 in our name. They didn't ask us for it. But us looking back now can see that's where Keith and Phyllis Moore started to come out of poverty and begin to come up because we had a seed. We had a seed. Then God gave us a bigger seed and we sowed it and we had a bigger harvest and a bigger seed and a bigger harvest and a bigger seed and a bigger harvest. And it just keeps going and just keeps growing. First Timothy six, would you go there please? And I think I can close with this. First Timothy six, say it out loud. God is good good. and he does good. good. Say this out loud. There's nothing better. For me to do in my life. life. Than to rejoice. And and do good. You think it would be okay. For you to get a habit. (laughs) Huh. Somebody see you and you're going. What's wrong with you. Man I got to do some good to somebody. Huh. I've been three days and hadn't given anything away. I, I got to. I need my fix. I, I got a habit. That's what, what he said. They got an addiction. And they did it to themselves. They addicted themselves to the service of the saints. How many enjoyed uh, the Lord letting Brother Jesse come and talk about heaven? Have you benefited from that? Have you thought about it again? Over and over. Isn't it wonderful? The Lord honored us by letting him come do that. Thank you, Lord. One thing that stuck with me, he said, every, he said he saw people he didn't know. And everybody that you saw, the angel, King David, Paul, Jonah, a family he saw going on a picnic. Everybody, they always want to know. Can we do something for you? What can we do? You want to go with us? Can we do something for you? Does that sound right to you? Does that sound like heaven would be like that? Everybody wants to do something for you. Is that how love is? Yes. It's not what you can do for me. It's what would you let me do something for you? Uh, Would you honor me? Would you privilege me and allow me to bless you? Make me happy. Let me bless you. The Bible said God delights. That's a strong word. God. It's not just anything and everything that excites God. You could pull out the most expensive car in the world and you think God's going to go, wow. (laughs) You might get excited, but what is it that delights God? He delights in showing mercy, Micah says, when people allow him to do things in their life and do things for them. What is mercy? Do things for them they did not deserve. They did not earn. They did not deserve. But they were just had enough faith to believe God was so good that they'd believe he'd do it for them anyhow. That messed up. 
They had wasted time. They had done wrong things. But they still had enough faith in his mercy that they believed he'd do it for them anyway. And the Bible said it delights him. It delights him. When you got God, the Almighty on the throne going, yes. (laughs) So make God happy. Let him bless you. And then you're going to, how are you going to get happy? Take a clue from the creator of the heavens and the earth. If this is what does it for him, what do you think is going to make you happy and do it for you? Helping somebody. They don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They didn't merit it. But still, God is good. He's so good. Where are you? First Timothy 6. Verse 17. First Timothy 6. 17. Charge them that are rich in this world to get rid of those worldly riches. Huh? Tell them that they cannot be rich and serve God. Well, that's what Jesus said. Is not. He never said any such a thing. Well, Jesus said you can't be rich and enter the kingdom of God. He did not say it. No such of a thing. He said you cannot trust in your riches. Big difference. Can you have something without trusting in it? Hmm? Can you have something Without putting your faith in it. That that's what's going to protect you. Keep you and save you. Can you do good works. Without believing that that's what's going to save you. Certainly a huge difference. Between having something. Or putting your faith in it. Trusting it. To take care of you. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high minded. Nor what? That's the deal. Don't trust In the uncertain riches, but, in other words, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Glory. You've heard people say, well, God didn't tell you he'd give you your wants. He just said he'd supply your needs. Well, you don't know the Bible if you say such a thing. He said he'd give you the desires of your heart. And here he says, what? Give you richly all things to enjoy. You should have a bunch of stuff at your house that serves no other purpose except you enjoys it. (laughs) What good is that? I enjoys it. (laughs) And I got scripture for having it right here. Right here I got scripture for it. He gave it to me to enjoy. So I'm enjoying it. Verse 18. Talking about those that are rich in this world. That they what? That they what? He didn't tell them get rid of all their money. What did he say? Do something good with it. He didn't say get rid of it. He said do something good with it. 
I know that there are denominations and there are groups that require that their ministers take vows of poverty. But I'm sorry. I'm not okay with that. I'm not talking about for me. I'm talking about for them. I'm not okay with that. It ain't in the Bible. Did you hear me? It misrepresents God. It leaves a wrong impression about him and who he is and what he is. And it cripples people. Because they live their whole life and do not have the material resources that God intended they have to do good with. He said, we trust in the living God. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He said tell those that are rich in this world that they do good. That they what? That they be rich in good works. He already said use wealth. Use worldly wealth to win people and to make friends. Use it. How can you use it and you don't have it? How can you use it and you don't have it? But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means to share. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. That's talking about rich people. That did a lot of good things with their riches. Do we have any volunteers in the building tonight to be rich so you can be rich in good works? How many like to underwrite a dozen stations with an hour preaching every week in the Middle East? Huh? How many like to go build a church and pay for it? Central America. Huh? Or Arkansas. Hmm? Huh? That's, that's what the Lord's saying. You know, what are we talking about on uh, Sunday mornings? Anybody remember? Growing up. The Lord said, I'm growing this church up quickly. Can you see it? Kids, all they think about is their toys. Their toys, their games, their playing. But when you grow up, you begin to realize you're not on the planet Earth by yourself. (laughs) That there are other people around you, right? And if your heart's right and good, you begin to get a desire to do things for other people other than yourself. Can you sense that's what's happening in this church right now? We're growing up, right? We're lifting up our head. Off of just ourself and our things. And we're looking around. And we're thinking, God, mm, bring that money in and I'll do that. I'll do that for them. Bring that in for me and I'll do that. I'm sowing this seed and I'm claiming this. We're going to sow this. We're going to sow that. We're going to pay off this. We're going to build that. We're going to do this. Is the time short? Is there a lot of stuff that needs to be done? And it doesn't need to drag on for 20 years while people talk about we don't have money to do it. Wish we could. If I had it, we'd do it. No, somebody needs to come in, right, with some resources and with a heart and say, let's get this thing done. 
Let's do it. Let's finish this project. Let's build that thing. Let's pay for it. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Do good works. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Begin to praise the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.